Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Look, I'm just trying to be all right with it, yeah. I'm just trying to be all right with it, yeah. I'm just trying to see the light in it. I think we should take a ride with it. I'm just trying to spend the night with it, yeah. I just want to be all right with it. So you've made it a thing now where people don't want you to give shout outs on the podcast about the whole golf thing that has somehow translated since like, what was it? The second episode you brought up a guy who shot like an 86 or an 87, something like that. Decent score. So we're, it, yeah, decent score my ass. We're setting a new rule now. You cannot be talked about on this show unless you're part of the show, unless you are an NBA player, a college basketball player, or you shoot below, I'm going to say an 84 or below. That fair? That's fair. I think it's. I actually think it's a stupid rule, almost as stupid as the Rich Paul rules. <laughs> this is this is like the the weirdest no feel thing I've ever heard of out of the NCAA, and and I've actually, to be honest, Matt, defended them through the years because as, as some of you guys know, Matt played in college. I say it pretty much every episode, and then I played baseball in college, and I know basketball players and football players get a lot of. We'll say like extra benefits because they, you know, they're on full rides. Baseball players, we no one's on full rides. For us, we have like eleven point seven scholarships for like a twenty-five to thirty-five man roster, and they get their stipends and all this crap. But I understand they don't make the money you can make in the pros right away. But now they got the whole Rich Paul rule that just came out the other day. And um, let's see, who was it that reported? It was a guy from CBS. News. Let's see. I have it somewhere here. It was uh, John Rothstein. So, this is the um, official criteria for agents who wish to represent student-athletes testing the waters for the NBA draft. Bachelor's degree, certified by the National uh, Basketball Players Association for a minimum of three years, and take an in-person exam at the NCAA office in Indianapolis. (laughs) Why are they making them do that stuff? Rich Paul, dude doesn't have a degree. Yeah, I know. I, 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 to me, I want to know who makes these rules. I, maybe the president does. I don't know who, who comes up with it. It's like they just come up with the stupidest things they could think of. To be honest with you, what does it matter if you have a bachelor's degree? Does that make you a better – look at Rich Paul. He doesn't have a bachelor's degree. He's good at what he does. It, you don't need Clearly. a bachelor's degree. You don't need to pass a test. It's like anything in any uh, you know profession. Like as a teacher, I always said – if you have to pass, you know, the MTELs, whatever, to get your teacher's license, that doesn't make you a better teacher because you're a good test taker. You have to actually go out and do it. There are so many bad teachers out there. It, it, oh, dude, it's it that, is, that's my point, you, though. It's like, what what the hell does this test have to do with anything? Just because you have, if you want to get represented by somebody who's an idiot, who's a bum off the street, then you can pick them as your representation. We're not talking about this is a, a sports. Attorney or a sports agent, I should say, because not he's not an attorney, I guess technically. But when you're talking about like law and everything like that, I understand and I get there are laws in this, but I don't know. I just never looked as an agent, an agent, and said, 
yeah, that guy has to have a law degree necessarily. I mean, you're talking about dribbling basketballs and all that crap. But like you said, Matt, Rich Paul has done fine for himself. And so what? He's ridden the coattails of LeBron to get there or whatever. He still it doesn't he's matter. Still he made it, and that's what, and that's what pisses me off is that it's almost like they're just trying to make new rules and and sanction and like act like they benefit the student athlete. No, you're really not. You're not no. letting people choose what they want to do. You're making more rules, and they're dumb rules. Yeah, the the, the ultimate no field organization out there. It's, easily, I mean, people can easily. Dump, you can dump on the NFL for all their stuff because they do some really dumb stuff, and it's in it, it worse in some ways, but. I just don't feel like they do it as often. Major League Baseball has no feel for the younger audience at all. But NCA, man, I don't know who they – they maybe treat their players worse than anybody. I get the amateur stuff, but it's just getting to a point now where it, it, I'm totally on the opposite side of this thing. I, I just – so anti-NCA. And, and, and I think – I'm curious. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. So now it's the one-and-done rule. But in baseball well, – in football, it's, what, three years – and then you can get drafted, and you can go to the league. Baseball, it's you can go right away, or you can get you can go for three years or play till like you're 21, and then get drafted by you know going to the major league draft. I think they should consider the the baseball route for players going forward. Like you can go straight out of high school to the NBA, or you go and you go for an extended period of time. Yeah, I think the one and done rule is kind of ruined college basketball, at least for a fan standpoint. I know that, you know, personally for me, I don't root for one team. Like, I like college coaches and maybe different programs, but I don't root for one team. But if I was a, a fan of, like, say, you know, Duke, UNC, all the big time colleges, it's, it's kind of hard to, like, you're always rooting for different guys every year because, you know, that stud freshman comes in, the stud freshman leaves. And some of these kids aren't ready. Like, you, you see so many guys that leave too early. Like, I always, for me, because I've met him before, is remember James Young from Kentucky? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, he's a guy that, like, you know, his, he had a good freshman year. But I always thought when he entered, I'm like, ah, you know, he, he could use another year. Like, and he never he never worked out. He, he I think he lasted two or three years with Celtics, and he never even barely saw the floor. Most of the time spent in the G League, and then they, they're gone. So I, I agree with you. I think that. The NBA should do that. Like, if you are if you want to go straight to the league and enter it, go. But if you go to college, you have to at least – like, football, I like how it's at least two years. Mm-hmm. Is it two or three? I can't remember. I, I, I want to say it's two. I want to say it's two. I could way, be wrong. Either way, and, and with, with basketball, there are definitely guys who it's worth them – it's worth it to them to consider going straight out of high school. It's tough. I mean, we don't always see guys turn into what they're expected to turn into, but it does happen. I think you should do – I think that should be the route. They should have that chance, and then if they don't want to do it, they can do what R.J. Hampton did or, I guess, what Darius Baisley did. Or they can go play for three years, try and get better at college, and, and go from there. I, I know it sucks, but I feel like that's going to solve a lot of problems. No, I think it would I think it would, it would help a lot, and it would help kids develop. Because a lot of kids that go – like, some guys aren't ready for the NBA. They're playing against grown-ass men. You're, you know, you're an 18-, 19-year-old kid. Obviously, yeah. there's differences. Zion Williamson, he could have gone, I believe, could have gone straight from high school to the NBA. He, his body was developed. But some guys don't develop like that right away. And they could use two or three years playing against guys that are, are their size. And they need to develop the G League more. They need to, to invest that, time in that. That would, that would be good. That would, that would definitely help. And they could just got to put more money into it, obviously. Yeah, and the, the, that's the one thing that Major League Baseball has done well. I mean, I feel like they have way too many guys at this point, but definitely that was one thing I always liked guys. about it. You get more opportunity. Yeah, there's definitely more opportunity, but also less chance you actually make it to the league. 
Exactly, but it, it's a sooner chance to become a professional athlete. But you need to incentivize, incentivize guys. You can't go and give them what major, minor league baseball players make because basketball players aren't going to go for that kind of money because it's no, pennies. Because they can make more, way more money overseas. That's why most guys don't go to the G League. They, they'd rather go play overseas, make, make that dough. You're going to make a lot more money playing overseas, that's for damn sure. But the, the weirdest thing about this for me, Matt, is when I saw the rule came out, I saw it in passing and everything, and, and I just I just saw like what they, they it was called the Rich Paul rule. I didn't see all the details at first. I thought it was an, an NBA move. I thought they were the ones that somehow tried to do something to kind of muscle out Rich Paul because or, or limit his power because obviously the whole Anthony Davis thing not good for the league when you got guys who are trying to get out of contract mid contract and it becomes a, a public affair. But it's the NCAA. Do do you think by any chance this is a total conspiracy theory type thing, but do you think by chance the NBA is talking to the NCAA about trying to find ways to make life more difficult for someone like Rich Paul? That's a good question. I, I personally don't because I don't think there's anything wrong with Rich Paul. and what he, I think that's more of an NBA thing, the whole Anthony Davis situation. They just need to they need to they need to reevaluate and we can get into this more when we when we um, talk about the CJ McCollum interview because I, I think what I'm about to say is based off um, what CJ McCollum said, but he, ahead, yeah. I mean, he pretty much said that um, that guy, the NBA misjudged that, and and Woj said it too. The NBA um, has misjudged the uh, the bird right rules, where you can pay more money to players to keep them to stay, but guys are choosing their happiness or where they want to, you know, going back to their hometown, or whatever. Because the money at the, at the end of the day, yeah, it's forty million on the table that they might leave, but they're gonna make that in some other way. Whether yeah, they make it in in, in uh, uh, contract like uh, endorsements. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I mean, at the end of it too, Matt. It's like, well, I can make forty million here, or and play for a decent team, or I can make thirty million here, play with I don't know my my best friend, or at home, like you said, something to that effect. I mean, at that point, I feel like you lose that ten million dollars. I know it's a lot of money, but these guys are not you know the they, players of the nineties. Like they didn't have they're a numb to the money. They're numb to the money. They have to be well, like, like I mean, we, how many guys this year have lo- have left Kyrie? How much did he leave on the table? Fifty, sixty million. Like these guys are numb to that because at the end of the day, they have so much money and they they're still signing for one hundred and forty million dollars, and they still have ridiculous shoe contracts and and all the endorsements they have. So at the end of the day, I think the NBA misjudged that, and I think it's an NBA problem with you know guys requesting trades. I don't. I personally don't like that. I think if you sign a contract. You know, for two years, you should be playing all those two. Like, whatever you sign it for, that's what you should play. You shouldn't be trying to weasel your way out in the trade. I, I don't like that. I thought that was kind of a lame And that move. kind of goes into some of the stuff that McCollum was talking about. So that, that was on Adrian Wojnarowski's pod, podcast, and I think it's with the Woj pod. And he was talking about the Team USA stuff, and he explained why he wasn't involved, and I get it. You know, you want to... He said it's for my family, fine, whatever. I mean, I don't know what you're worried about in that capacity unless you just want to be around them, that's fine. But he was talking about how it's for the Blazers organization and being devoted to them. That I get. But then he also talked about how guys don't want to be – some guys, he can't speak for everybody who left afterwards, but some of the guys don't want to be on a team that's going to be – that's going to lose, that's going to struggle, I guess, in this tournament. My my thing with that is why wouldn't you want to go and – first of all, I do not look at that roster that they have right now and think they're not going to win this whole friggin' thing. I'd be stunned if they lose it. Yeah, I'd be stunned too. But I, it was interesting that he did say that because I'm like, if you really think you're that good of a player, wouldn't you, 
Wouldn't you be on a team that wouldn't lose? I don't know. It's not like a pride exactly. thing. And it's not like you're going and playing with, with scrubs. You know, They're good players. They got. I mean, the, yeah, that roster. I mean, we have, so I had the roster right in front of me right now. So just going on the Team USA page from top to bottom, they have they have Bam Adebayo, they have Harrison Baines, let's uh, Barnes. Jesus, I I did that type in it before too. I did Baines, Harrison Barnes, Jalen Brown, Kyle Kuzma, Brooke Lopez, Kyle Lowry, Chris Middleton, Donovan Mitchell, Mason Plumley, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, PJ Tucker, Miles Turner, Kemba Walker. Thad Young, and um, and he's not on there. Darren Fox. Those are the guys right now that are working out for the team. Yeah, they're, they're pretty. I mean, it's young. It's, for the most part, young guys, but young and upcoming, you know, talent. Like, I, I kind of like yeah. their roster. Obviously, would it be better with the stars on it? Yeah. But to me, like, what, one or two stars are afraid to play on that team and lose? Like, I, I, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Guys who were considered that are not playing, obviously, McCollum, obviously, Damian Lillard, Eric Gordon. James Harden, Anthony Davis, Zion Williamson, Bradley Beal, Tobias Harris, DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Love. What I thought was interesting, what um, C.J. McCollum said in that, also along with what you just brought up, was that he he didn't he said he would play if he was guaranteed a spot on the Olympic roster. Yeah, that's the other thing that's been a little bit of uh, that's been brought up here and there. I know Kemba talked about it. I know Marcus Smart talked about. It. I think it was on the jump. How they think if they're on this team, they should get first rights at going and playing in the Olympics. And I, and I, I would 100% agree with that. If I was on the USA Basketball, it gives you more incentive to play in this term. But that's what I thought was interesting that, you know, because CJ McCollum knows, you know, James Harden, if he wants to play on the Olympic team, he's going to play. Like, he's going to make the roster. Anthony Davis, he'll make the roster. You know, Durant, anybody, Kyrie, they'll, they'll make the roster. They don't have to play in this tournament, which kind of stinks for the Team USA brand in itself. But I also understand McCall's point. Like, why why go do all this stuff and you probably won't make that roster if all those guys want to play? You're traveling all the time. You're doing everything that leads up right to training camp. That and I that, get. And, and, that, and, th- and then to know that you probably won't even make the roster next year be- if all those guys want to play because they're going to get – and you just busted your ass playing, you know, all the way through. And then you probably burn out during the regular season. The other thing is all the money that's tied up in all these guys too, like – that that's the that's the tough thing because I don't I don't know what USA basketball play, you know do they pay these guys like I don't even know not that it really matters but I'm not saying for, like I don't think they do for the Olympics I don't know about FIBA but I don't think they do for the Olympics they, I, I'm guessing if, if they do it's they not that much well. but and it it's not like yeah. these guys need money but I'm saying like the NBA teams you know if I'm paying a guy 135 million dollars I don't want him to go play and get hurt like the Paul George injury all that you know all that crap. And I wonder if that's what really changed a lot of things for guys because I feel because we were seeing Kobe play, LeBron was playing, everybody, all the studs, all those guys, Kevin Durant, Russ. I mean, I, I remember look, I was actually looking at a picture the other day, and I think all on one team it was, I think it was Harden, Russ, Chris Paul, uh, Kevin Durant, James Harden. I think it was yeah, that was, that was the uh, 2012 team in London. 2012. That was. It was I mean. The, that's the thing is when I look back in this, they haven't lost since 2006, that, that ugly loss they had to, uh, I think it was Argentina. And then it was kind of was like a wounded pride thing, and that's what got the NBA, NBA stars to come back and play, and that was like that Beijing in 08. That was fun as hell to watch. It was like Kobe in his prime, D. Wade in his prime, LeBron in his prime, um, Chris Paul, Jay Kidd. Yeah, exactly. Um, they, and and, and uh, I get it when, when you work when, – Enough guys are taking care of it. I mean, right now, I feel like the guys that they have are going to take care of it. They have guys who right now I would say are B-listers for the most part. You don't really – I mean, 
Kemba Walker, like a B plus. Uh, let's see, J- Jason Tatum is in the B range. PJ Tucker and Marcus Smart are obviously great defenders. Chris Middleton is a B plus. Same with Kyle Lowry. Donovan Mitchell's in that range. Uh, you know, Harrison Harrison Barnes is in somewhere in the B range too. I mean, like you have like good NBA players. Guys who hang, who are able to hang with the A-listers. Yeah, I know, and I'm just saying what happened was in in like '06 they had kind of right. what you said, like you know, oh, okay. good NBA players, and once they lost, it kind of was like a shot to the pride because then then all those NBA and the you know the studs came out in '08, and that's that's when they took over, kind of changed the culture a little bit back to like not saying they were as good as the dream team, but like kind of changed the culture of like you know where USA basketball were the best in the world. In 2012, they were loaded too. So I, I, I do wonder who who comes out um, for this Olympics. I, I do wonder. I, I'm guessing it's going to be all the stars. But like you said, I, I actually like to start. If, if I had asked you a question, who would your starting five be out of this? the guys on the team right now if you had to pick? I would have Kemba in my starting lineup. I would have Donovan Mitchell in my starting lineup. I would probably have – I'd have Middleton. I would probably have mm, – it depends a little bit on what you're dealing with. Um, I don't. I don't. I mean, I know. Hmm, I don't know how big the other lineups are going to be, and if they're going to be quicker. I want to say I'd have Brooke Lopez as my um, uh, yes. as my center, and yeah. I'm thinking. Hmm, I don't know how if I want it to be. I mean, like I'm between. I might actually have Miles Turner and Thad be my two bigs. If you're rolling with two bigs, yeah. I like. I like my starters would be like. I want to say it would be Kemba, Donovan Mitchell. I'll go. Those are locks. Chris guaranteed. Middleton, Tatum, and I probably go Miles Turner would be my big. If I had to pick a big, uh, Brooke Lopez is more of a stretch now. He he plays more outside. Yeah, I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't go. With you know him. who, who has looked Turner. good, and we talked about it when we broke down the East is um, Adebayo, Bam Adebayo. He mm-hmm. I watched some videos. He his movements are way like. More fluid. I don't know. Maybe I just remember him. You from- know, no, no, you're right. And there's, we're seeing a ton of videos of him too, because he's throwing down. He's put. He's giving everybody fits when they're doing these one on one. Yeah, the one. Well, that's what I was more impressed with too. Is the one because I he's always been able to obviously get up and dunk, but like the one on one moves, they were pretty fluid. And I was like, wow. Um, yeah. So I wonder. I wonder what his role will be. But um, and you said De'Aaron Fox. I hope. I know they brought him up. I hope they I hope he makes the roster. He's he's solid. So I think they carry. I think it's twelve. I think they have 15 guys here that we were looking at, so I think they're carrying they, they 12. Usually, well, I, at least in the Olympics, they only carry 12, so I'm guessing they'll... I think they listed like 16 on their website. I think What's-His-Face makes six. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I think the guys who would probably be on my chopping block, I think... Mm, well, Plumlee would be on my chopping block for sure. He's probably the worst guy on this team. Uh, after the smart calf tightness, I know he said it wasn't a big deal, and that he's fine, but I, I don't know how I feel about him being there necessarily. Yeah, I mean, it's and, he'd be there if you really need a role player. Yeah, they actually. Yeah. I love their coaching staff. I lo- obviously Popovich is the goat. Um, Steve Kerr is obviously a really, 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 really good coach. Um, and then they have a great college coach in Jay Wright. I like how Jay Wright's kind of getting in that USA movement. I think it's pretty big for college coaches to you know if you're involved with USA basketball. I think it's good for your recruiting stuff. So. Definitely. And actually, real quick on the Steve Kerr note, we had a, a listener reach out that they, because we had somebody asking, it was a, your boy Fennis Dembo asking us who we were going to talk about this week, which changed in the matter of like 24 hours because the NBA just never sleeps. Um, this is at underscore Izzy does it underscore. 
I'm surprised they won't be discussing Steph no longer being a top five player and Steve Kerr no longer being a top five coach. Yeah, Izzy, uh, Izzy texted me. He gave me a lot of crap. Um, shout out to Izzy. He's a, is, you know. Should we just shout out? No, no, shout out. This, this deserves a shout out. He's a D3 basketball national champion. Okay, at, fair at, enough. You know, at Babson College. That that deserves a shout out. That, that, fine. Not a lot of people can say that. Um, but yeah, he, he gave me a lot of crap. For the Warriors, us putting the Warriors at six. But I told him, you got to remember, like, if Clay was there, we wouldn't have, if Clay was healthy, they're not six. They're not six. No, they're not even six. They're easily, you know, for me, they're top three. I don't care. If they got that, they got that dynamic there with, with those guys, those big, yeah. uh, their big three, they're easily top three, but. Yeah, that with their big three, and then they got D'Lo now too, oh, yeah. and then who knows what Willie's going to turn into there. I would think he's going to get better being in that environment. The, the the thing that I've always had a tough time understanding, and it's it kind of I guess happens more with basketball than anything, is guys who don't want to play like to be on the like the international stage playing for your country. I've always found that weird because just I mean you don't have to do it have to do it every year. I get it, but. I don't know. We grew up and we saw the Miracle on Ice movie. Obviously, we're way too young to have seen it actually happen. But I just feel like something like that is as unique as it is winning the the you know the finals and everything. This is just something you only get to do every four years. I know this is this is the World Cup we're talking about, not te- you know the, the Olympics. But to me, it just always seems like why if you could do that once or twice, why not do it once or twice? I think it, I think at least for us, like I didn't really pay attention to USA basketball. When they at least lost, I mean, I do remember them losing those six, but I, I didn't, I don't know, I didn't really pay attention. But like when I was in the midst of like really being into the NBA and all that stuff, you know, that 08 team, that 2012 team, they, it seemed like they, they had pride and they wanted to win. And I hope that's what happens when they go to the Olympics. I hope all the stars want to play because I'm like you, it's pretty cool to represent your country. Like, and a lot of people are watching. So I would think most of those guys want to invest in their brand too. And I get it, you know, you're going to go over there and you should be able to curb stomp them. Seriously, I mean, it shouldn't even be close. I feel that way about this team still, too. But I do think, Matt, that there's something to what McCollum said and, and what Kemba has said and Marcus Smart has said. You know, if you're on this team and you want to be on the Olympic team and you guys do and you guys win and do well, then you should have that right. Or even if you sign up, you're on the Olympics team. Like, if you make this team, you're on the Olympic team. That's how it works. I, I think from a USA basketball standpoint, it's better for their brand, their culture if they did this because then you get more guys invested and be like, hey, like you want to be on the Olympic team, you gotta you gotta do this, like because you know all the stars like ah, no, nah, I don't want to do that, but I'll, you know in the Olympics they'll take me, which kind which kind of in a in a culture sense I get it. Like CJ McCollum had great reasons and all that stuff. Yes, and his main reason though was that he said it like. He and that's why he was very self conscious about himself, like not self conscious, self aware. Um, that if he play, he would play on this team if he was guaranteed a spot on the Olympic team. But he knows that's not the case, right? Because yeah, because he's not. I mean, he's he's not a. I mean, there he's not a superstar, but he's right on that next tier. He's like right. I'd say he's right. You know, Kemba's level, maybe a little bit above Kemba's level. Like right, right in that tier. Yeah, 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 definitely. He's, he's, I'd say he's, a little bit bold, he's, a but, so, he's a very solid player. But he knows that if the studs come, he ain't going to make the team. Exactly. And, 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 and that, that's difficult. And look, with, their, with the guys who, who are changing places, like J.J. Redick, he, he's playing elsewhere. Uh, you know, Kawhi wasn't brought up in all this, but he's a guy who obviously you'd want to add. Um, if, he was, if he didn't want to do it, Paul George, those guys are changing places. They're going to a new team. 
anybody in that situation, I think you shouldn't play. I, should, I don't think you should play for your Team USA either. You should be devoted to the organization that you're starting your career out with. Because you don't what, – what happened with Paul George, you can't afford to let something like that happen. So I get it from any of those guys' perspective. Russell Westbrook, same thing. You're on a new team. So that, that that's a little bit different. McCollum one, his, lo- his logic's fair. Uh, the the thing that just bothered me most is like they they don't want to go and lose. The hell do you play the game for? You want to be guaranteed to win? Yeah, like I've never like, that, that is kind of lame. But they it's like you don't want to be part of that, you know? Because everybody remembers when they lost in '06. Yeah, you don't want to be a part of it. But then, but be a, com- but be a competitor, right? Be a competitor. Exactly. That's why the, the the teaming up with guys, I I understand it, but at the same time, I've never fully, I, I'll never be fully on board because. Like Russ, Russ said it when he would stay with the Thunder for years. I mean, it was 11 years. He wanted to beat the best. He didn't want to go and buddy up with them. That's what that's what the NBA has turned into. Yeah, it's and it's it is what it is. I mean, it's still I still love it and it makes for great drama. But just that's why the duos are better as Way opposed better. to the big threes. More because now it's it's definitely less. It's buddying up, but on a lesser degree. Where now. Even though, like, even though we say the Clippers are the the number one favorite in the West, it you have other good duos out there where they could somehow get. I don't want to say dethroned; they haven't won anything, but you know, taken down a couple of notches. Um, speaking of the duo stuff, KD finally talked about some of his stuff that's gone on. He talked with Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports. That came out within four or five hours of the show. I mean, they're talking about things changing around a little bit. And uh, one of the things he, he brought up was, or he was asked about was, his converse, his whole stance on the Warriors. Did they force him into playing? Did they mishandle the situation? Blah, blah, blah. And the, and the first thing that Kevin Durant said to, to Haynes was, hell no. How can you blame the Warriors? That was the first thing we were all talking about was, how did the Warriors botch this? You know, my thing was, I respect what KD did. I like that he went out there. He was trying to win still when they needed him. He said he was planning on going out in game five no matter what. That was his target. You know, I've definitely dumped on him a fair share through the years since he went to the Warriors. But part of me now looks at it as, I don't know, I view him differently than I did when he first went there. I view him differently too, and I respect I respect after reading that article him obviously a little bit more because there was a lot of talk saying that the, the Warriors teammates forced him into playing and pressured him into playing and you know, I, I think he wanted to do it because he wanted to be out. I think it was killing him not to play. Like, he wanted to be out there with those guys. And and I know there's, you know, the, a lot – after playing with, with guys for three or four years and a lot of scrut- um, scrutiny on that team that, you know, they obviously had their issues this year um, because everybody – I think everybody knew KD was leaving. Um, but, it, but I respected the hell out of him that he went out there for his teammates, not 100%, didn't have to. Um, and obviously he's you know he screwed he screwed up his leg like he he ain't gonna play yeah. next year so he, but I, that's that he he earned a lot of respect back for me that he went out there and put it all on for his teammates yeah and he said I mean the, it, some more on that topic he said it just happened it's basketball shit happens nobody's responsible for it it was just the game we, we need to move on from that shit because I'm not going to I'm not going to be back playing I mean that's. I think that's the right approach to it. And, you know, you say everybody knew he was going to leave. I mean, I thought he was going to leave. We, we, we all did. He said that he didn't decide officially on it till the day he announced it. That's, and he that's said it BS was, because – I don't buy that. No, because Draymond, Draymond knew early. He knew it. 
It was that all that. You think that's why fighting. he chirped him so much like that? Huh? You think it's why he was chirping him so much? Yeah, you remember when he's like, "We don't need you, leave." Like there was there was already a sense. I think yep. they knew he was he was gone. There are some some instances where he seems it seems like he still tries to appease everybody. Like he wants everybody to like him. And that's why, you know, he had all the Twitter, like, the burner accounts and stuff like that, defending himself, trying to make it, like, he, you know, not, not not everybody hates me. I'm still, people still like me. And it's like, you don't need to, the thing is that's, that is weird for him, I'm sure. When he was in Oklahoma City, he was always, like, the, the guy everybody was pulling for because he was in a small market. He'd stay, he's been with that team for a while. They were the team that drafted him, and he's battling LeBron and all these other bigger guys who've moved around, and it's him and Russ, and they liked him for that. But ever since he's left, the public perception has changed of him, and I think he continues to struggle with that. Yeah, which which is which is weird for me. I don't know why most of these guys like they really care what people say about them on Twitter. Who gives a flying shit? Like, who cares? Who I, cares I what they say to you? Like, these guys are so sensitive. LeBron's the same way. Like, LeBron loves but, to control the narrative. KD KD's one of these guys. No one's like you know that old school like, and I get it. Social media is different too, so I got to put that in perspective. But yeah, but but Kobe, like I think of Kobe. Kobe best line is like, "Love me or hate me, I don't don't matter to me either way. Like I don't care." And that's how these guys should be like. And I and I do hate how people take their hate out on KD, but still can't like respect his game because I I can hate on LeBron for some of the stuff he does, but I can still turn on the TV and love watching him. When he's at his best. Same with KD. The guy's amazing. The guy's one of the best shooters to play the game. Scorers to oh, play the game. You know? Scorers. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, th- that was one thing that Perk brought up, and I don't remember where he said it, uh, but he t- said how Kevin Garnett had told him, you don't go home to go and search for the praise and all that stuff that you're going to hear on TV. You don't wait for that. You go home, wait for the negative stuff, take your lumps, and then you move on from it. You acknowledge, you, you know it's there, and then you move on. The thing that's tough, though, is that you bring up social media, it, it totally changes the game and how guys have to deal with it constantly and the speculation. It, it is weird. It is, it's a totally different animal than what you know. Magic and Larry never had to deal with any of this kind of crap, nothing even close to it. So I do find it um, – I, I, I do wonder what it would be like if those guys didn't have to deal with it in that capacity. But, yeah, the narrative controlling thing with LeBron, the, the reason why – Look, don't get me wrong, he's annoying. I, I, we said it here. The, the Taco Tuesday thing is so weird, and there is some stuff where he tries to control the narrative, and it's annoying. But at the same time, I don't know. Sometimes I, I, I want to give LeBron a pass. As much as I find him unbearable at times, I want to give him a pass because there's just so much. Like, he does one little thing. You know, he does the whole dunk thing. Uh, again, we don't agree with it, but he does one thing, and then that's the number one topic everywhere for three days we spend a half hour talking about it we plan on talking about what was it the, the western conference that episode yeah so it's just like the anything he does it's just it turns into complete chaos so i'm not saying I, I agree with what he does but sometimes it's like well i feel like he could he could complain a lot more than he does uh, yeah, I mean, he could, but at the same time, I think some of these guys feed into it. Like, they're too involved on social media to that point. Like, there's some guys that have social media accounts and they don't really look at their com- – I feel like, like, Durant looks through his comment section. <laughs> yeah, you can't Like, do you that. can't look through that. Like, if you go to any of these celebrities, people people live 
to get under your skin. That's what they, that's, they're on this earth. They're like freaking flies. They're like mosquitoes. They, they just love getting into your skin. That's what, who cares about Joe Schmo, dude? You're Kevin Durant. You're making a bajillion dollars. You're playing the game you love. Why do you care what some dumbass says to you on Twitter? That's what I don't understand. Cause personally me, why the hell would I, I, I know I wouldn't care. Well, what is, what does that matter? That doesn't matter. It's yeah, all irrelevant yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, you're making loads of money. And if you play one year and you get Kevin Durant money or, or whoever, I mean, you should be set. And, and it's – Nick, it's like it's – like, What does it matter then? It's, it's life. People are going to love you. People are going to hate you. Well, you can't every, – everybody can't love you. That's, and that's, that's life. Whatever. Screw them. Who cares? But I think some of these guys don't grow up necessarily knowing that either and that's the tough part. Yeah, that, that might be true. Because I'll tell you what, I mean, like on a much smaller scale, I know when we were younger and we would get the attention we got, I didn't know that there were people out there that hated like the way I handled myself. And then I found out as I got, I, you know, as I got a little older going into college and stuff, it was like I pissed a lot of people off unintentionally. And that definitely rattled me at first. I was like, why, 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 did, why does this guy hate me? Because I said that and I did this? Like, so I, I can understand a little bit why guys would get rattled by that. But at some point... When you become an adult, you just gotta realize, dude, who cares? Yeah, I, I to, I'm not trying to act like you you've know, never been like that. I, I'll give you that. You've never been like no, that. No, I just that's just who I am. I, I, you know, maybe it's just people. You're a born. dick. That's what it is. <laughs> that well, that 100 percent could be right. I just I really don't care, like it, it, you know what people have to say. You know, like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, especially if they don't yeah. matter to you. What the hell does it matter? And that's why you would almost get teched up half the time. We'd be out there for. <laughs> Get a yellow card when we play soccer, and unbelievable. Yeah, it's that uh, it's that Portuguese Lebanese in me, bro. Which one is it? Which one do you want to blame it on today? Uh, I'll blame it on the the carom just for Skippy. Yeah, yes, Matt is Matt is Lebanese. I don't think many people deal with Portuguese people as much as as much as where we're from. There's a ton of Portuguese people where you are up, you know, north of Boston. There's there's none, right? I, I think there is actually some, but not not as not like where we're from. No, not at all. I, I remember when I went out to Chicago, I was like the first Portuguese person. A lot of people, for, for a lot of people, it was. Uh, it was. I was like, really? Foreign yeah, land out there. out there. But anyways, last thing that we did want to get to was. Uh, oh, that's right. Our boy Vince Carter, getting another year in the league. It's going to be his twenty-second year. He's staying with the Hawks. The dude is. As much as everyone wants to talk about Tom Brady sticking around forever, Vince Carter. Has been around since what ninety eight, Matt? Nineteen ninety eight. On Brady was, I think he got into the league in two thousand. I think is what it was his first year. I think it's what it was. Yeah, but so we were talking about it beforehand, and um, the guys that were in his draft class. Did you look up who was on who was in that list? Yeah, so I I, I wrote down um, a bunch of names. Obviously, people that you would remember. Obviously, they probably played more than ten years in the league. Um, so the number one pick in the 1998 uh, draft was uh, to the Clippers. It was Michael Oluwakandi, and I would say he was a bust <laughs> by looking oh, at his stats. <laughs> he played for the Celtics for a little bit, right? I I, I think that I think that sounds right. I don't know. I yeah, I think I remember know. using him on 2K a little bit, and then he was on the Timberwolves for a good chunk yep, of his career. That's that. what I remember him as. And then the number two pick uh, to Vancouver was Mike Bibby. Well, I totally. Until the, he was doing some stuff with Big Three recently. You see how I, jacked he is? <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. He's, he's definitely huge. on the juice. He's got to be on the I, juice. 
honestly had no uh, until then I didn't know he was on Vancouver. I told I totally forgot about it. Or whatever. I always think of Mike Kings. Bibby in Kings. Absolutely. Well, the Sacramento Queens, as Shaq would say. Okay. Number three pick. It, it's an ex Celtic too, but it went to Denver. But it was uh, Rafe LaFrance. Oh. Oh, <laughs> that was your number three pick. That was the number three pick in that draft. You know, I I know I've heard it more this year maybe than in other years, but everybody like all these these front office guys that you pick the best player available. That's just what you always do, and you know, where in other sports maybe you pick for like football, you pick for a need position, um, like right then and there. For baseball, you pick for the future. You know, where you have a weak you know uh, minor league pitching core or whatever, but with basketball, it's you pick the best talent there, and I have to imagine it's been like that for a long time. How the hell do you pick Rafe LaFrance before Vince you, Carter? It's, I mean, this is just one example, but it's it's crazy how people misevaluate talent. And and you could do it in any draft, um, but especially, oh, I mean, this, sure. one, this one's pretty bad. Because we could, we could go back afterwards and redo it, and I bet, I bet you the top four guys wouldn't be in the top five like they are now. Number four pick was uh, to Toronto's Antoine Jameson. I mean, he was a solid NBA player. Now, I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just he was a solid NBA player. Was he, you know I remember look, trying to look this up a couple of years ago. Was he an All Star ever? I, I mean know. that one. I that one I can get. That one I can understand. And then and then but, Vince Carter got drafted to uh, Golden State at number five. Oh, that's right. I forgot it was Golden State. Yep. <laughs> and then number seven. <laughs> we'll skip to number seven. Uh, Sacramento, my boy, Jason Williams, white chocolate man. I loved it. That guy was a hooper. Who was uh, who was number six? Do you know? I no, I just it was probably someone I you know people wouldn't realize who the, who it was. Antoine Jameson or Anton Jameson is how it's actually spelled was a two time All Star. Yeah, he was he was a solid NBA player. Yeah, he was a solid NBA player. That's it. Uh, number eight was uh, Philly Larry Hughes. He was um he was one of the guys in in the original Space Jam, right? I think uh, I think he was. I don't He's played for Charlotte, right? No, he played for Philly. Oh, I'm thinking of Larry Johnson. Yeah, thinking of Larry. I was like, no. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, uh, it's all good. Number nine. Oh, was... Larry. Yes. Okay. Now. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm good. Sorry. Yeah. It's all now good. Was... Number nine to Milwaukee, which is I didn't know this, but maybe they trade the pick or something. Was Dirk? Really? Yeah. I uh, must have got. It must have been traded picks. Yeah. Must have been. Um, yeah, number he... ten was our boy Paul Pierce. Eleven Bonzi Wells. You remember Bonzi Wells? I do remember Bonzi. I'm Wells. just writing. I wrote down names that people I remember. Uh, 21 in this uh, number 21 to Charlotte in this draft was Ricky Davis. Ricky Davis, <laughs> who who literally yeah. missed a shot to get a rebound to get a triple double. I'll never forget that. That was embarrassing. Uh, I remember watching that dude. Like uh, the Celtics, I remember a ton as a kid. Yeah, I watched a lot of you know, Antoine Walker and stuff. But I remember Paul Pierce and Ricky Davis. And I mean, Ricky Davis coming like that's where I first was first saw a guy who should be a starter coming off the bench. And I, that's where I kind of bought into that whole having that six man even more so. 23 was Denver picked <laughs> Tyrone Lue. Ooh. Ooh. 24 to uh, the Spurs was Felipe Lopez. I only put that Did you? if you only watched that 30 for 30 that came out with about him. He never he never really had an NBA career, but it was a really good 30 for 30 if you ever watched it. Never, never knew it existed. 25 was uh, Al Harrington, who was a solid NBA player to Indiana. Al Harrington was drafted then? Yeah. 
Why did I think you were so much younger than that? Um, 29 to the Utah Jazz was uh, Nazir Mohammed. I, I just remember him. I don't know why. He was on that. He was on like on the Bulls team when uh, D Rose was there. He was like a vet. He was like an old son of a gun. That is a, yeah. I haven't heard that name in ages. Holy hell. And then I got three guys in the second round that I, I thought were noteworthy. 32 to Seattle's Rashard Lewis. Well, obviously, he was. Oh, a, that's right. He was a second round pick. I yeah. forgot. I didn't know he was that old, though, either. Yeah, I know. He's too old. 39 to Milwaukee was Skip to My Lou, Rafer Alston. Okay. And then 41 was Katino Mobley, who was a solid NBA player. In Who looks really old now. Yeah, old as hell. And there was there's some there was some like movie character or something that he reminded me of, and I cannot remember who it was. But that beard man is he's got he's got a serious beard going these days. <laughs> yes. But wasn't he was he on the Rockets with Steve Francis? Yes, that's why I remember Katino Mobley. Oh, I remember Steve Francis. You were Steve, Steve Francis guy. That's why I, I swear to God, I think I remember Katino Mobley because you love Steve Francis, and I remember they were in the same backcourt. Oh, yeah. Steve Francis was my dude back in the day. Oh, God. He was another guy who I wish had done a little bit more than he did with his career. But uh, they, had, they had him. They had those two, and they had Yao. Yeah. Ah, it's a solid team. But anyways, needless to say, if you went in... If you went and redid that draft, it would not look like it did now. No. Because Ray Ralston's another one, I mean, who's, I mean, that former teammate of Chris Heron, too, right? Yep, at uh, Fresno. Yeah, I mean, he... <clears throat> yeah, he, Fresno he State, a, they played not together. A, not a second-round pick in that draft, looking back on it. But seriously, going back to the Vince versus Brady thing, that's one of the things I always think of with Vince Carter now. I mean, yes, he's a, he's, I mean, I wouldn't even say he's a role guy anymore, Um but him being able to hang around, and I know it's kind of become more of a, a coaching role and a mentor role, but still going through the workouts, still going through all that stuff, is it at least, I would say Brady's is probably the most surprising of all the athletic feats we've seen through the years in terms of battling age. Would you say Vince is probably number two? Yeah, I would say Vince is up. I mean, it's impressive that a guy is played for this long i mean obviously he doesn't play like brady does you know like every snap and like you Hell said he's no. not even really a role player anymore uh, like we, we were talking about it before obviously tom brady's been helped by the rule changes and um all that but it's it's still incredible like i, I saw a video the other day of, of vince duncan in a game i think he was like on the maverick so he had, and it was towards the end of it so he had to be in his late 30s i mean the dude still gets up like he's a freak yeah he's a freak he, still, he did it i remember he did, he did it last year and it wasn't it's nothing like he would used to be or even i, I would say what, five years ago but he could still throw it out and i i would never guess that he could especially at this age and, and the other thing that was weird too and i'll pull up a stats just to confirm it but i'm pretty sure he spent more of his career with the nets than he did with the raptors but i'll never associate him with the, the nets oh the raptors. dude really that that was the squad jay kid him and um, Richard oh, Jefferson. No, I'm, wrong. I'm wrong. He was with the Raptors for seven seasons, and he was with the, the Nets for five seasons. And three with the Mavericks, three with the Grizzlies, two with the Magic, one with the Hawks, now going to be two, one with the Kings, and one with the Suns. He didn't win a championship when, with Derek, did he? Was he on that team? Uh, I'll have to pull. I'll check that real quick. But he actually played in seventy six games for the uh, for the Hawks last year. No, he was playing. He, he was definitely a rotational guy. I think last year. I don't. I don't know what his role would be this year. More of like a vet. But yeah, I'll, I'll always associate him with with the the Raptors and I, the Nets. I remember when he was on the Nets. Him, Jay Kidd, and, and Richard Jefferson. Man, they were fun to watch. It's like Lob so, City. 
what year did the Mavericks win it? Uh, 2011, I believe. It was that so first he, year of the big three of the Heat. Okay, if that was the year, then he just missed. Ah, oh, damn. Yep. Yeah, that's right, because I don't think he's ever won a chip. Yeah, I don't think he has either. And, and, and uh, you know, when it, yeah, I, was it Gary Payton's one of those guys, Charles Barkley, the guys who never won anything, but you, like they're, they're the best player to never win anything. Yeah, Melo's another one of those guys. <laughs> yeah, now he's going on that he went on that tour with Stephen A. Smith. I the thing I have such a tough time with with buying into Melo stuff because like at some point, dude, if enough people are saying it, yeah, it's probably true. I'm, there's got to be some truth to it. No, I think with him, it's it's after watching all those things. Like the only thing I really got out of it is maybe like Houston did him dirty. In the sense, like, they weren't really up front with him and they didn't tell him. That like, one I buy. That one I think is true. But I think it's tr- it's true that he doesn't want to He doesn't want to be a bench player. He thinks he's a starter. And you know what? It's He could play in the NBA. It's not You can't tell me that that oh, guy no. can't play in the NBA. He's too talented. Of course. of course. But he's just not the same player he was. He's not a starter. He's just not no, a starter. He's not. He's gotta, he needs to adapt. And if he doesn't want to adapt and get over his pride, then... I'm just, See, sucks, and, and he said how he said league. how if you came up to me and said it, you know, man to man, and talked to me about it, he said it. I would have a tough time with it at first, but then if I thought about it, I'd be open to it. And I mean, I get that. I I get you want that, but at the same time, if you're being, you know, if you're being an adult about it, I would think you you know that it's there. You know that that's a possibility. Why not be the bigger person? And then you go approach him about it, and you talk to him about it. If it's not going to affect your pay that much, I get you don't want to give them the upper hand, but I feel like if you care about winning that much, you're going to get taken care of in some capacity still, and then you're still going to get your playing time and still going to have a role, and it would help the team more. Yeah, I, I just never understood that. No, I don't. I don't understand it either. That's and and he's been saying that a lot of people have just been talking about. It and he wants to talk, but it's at the at the end of the day, I, I think it's pretty simple in the sense that. He needs to adjust to what, what he is now. He's he's just not that, he's just not that player anymore. And I always said this, you know, since we talked about USA basketball, why was he? I always thought he was a great player on the USA basketball teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he he just played a role. He just he he was physical down low, would rebound the ball on defense, and then he'd play in the perimeter, catch and shoot. And he was obviously is an elite, you know, scorer, especially back then. But and shooter, like he would. I remember in two thousand twelve. It was some games he hit like eight, nine. I think he set the record. I think he hit like ten threes in a game. Like I was, was going to say, I remember one of those years being like, you know, they have LeBron, they have Kobe, but Melo's the guy that's really standing out out of every, above everybody. I just can't believe he can't, like, the Lakers, like, LeBron wouldn't, like, have him come to L.A. or whatever and play with him. Because, again, he was on with LeBron and play off the ball and, like, catch and shoot, like, that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't understand yeah. why that hasn't translated. Yeah, so my question is, does his team end up signing him? For this season, I thought last year they would, and I—I I guess I was wrong. I thought LeBron's, uh, you know, because LeBron runs that team, but I—I I thought the Lakers would. I, I, but I don't know if this interview changes anything. I guess it until he decides or figures out what he needs to do in a personal level to swallow his pride or whatever it is. Um, if I had to take a bet, I would say. I would say no, because at this point, you know what I got. What a team's doing, I get most rosters are probably filled. Yeah, he's gonna have to sign for a veteran minimum somewhere if he's gonna play for a contender, because everybody's got money issues, and there are a lot. There are quite a few teams now that are 
teams that would maybe add him, and they have hard caps because everybody everybody did sign in trades in the offseason. So that totally screws things up. I mean, if the Nets wanted to, I'm not saying any of these teams would be a fit necessarily, but if the Nets, Sixers, Celtics, Heat, Warriors, they're also in the they're not in the mix at all. But the Hornets, technically, if all those teams wanted to add them, they all have hard caps because they all did sign in trades. And I may be missing someone in there, but all of them did that. So you can't go and make these moves that you'd want to make. You can't go and sign him unless for, they can't sign him. Period, because they have the hard cap. Yeah. So I I would I would probably say no. I don't think I don't think he plays. Yeah. Unless in, like unless that. injury happens and I don't know something. It'd have to be like a mid year thing. I don't know. The, I don't know. I don't think they have. They don't have a hard cap, as far as uh, I'm fairly certain on this. But I wonder if the Ma- somehow the Mavericks would be a fit. But I can't imagine Carlisle would want to put up with that. No. No, no. But he, that would be one where, uh, I don't know. But, yeah, it's tough. It's tough to imagine him getting a spot anywhere. And if he doesn't get a spot this year, I got to think he's done. I would, Who's going to take a chance on him after being out for two years? Yeah, I, I think I think he'd be done. I kind of want to see him go play overseas and just run <laughs> wherever he's playing, dude. Um, he would kill wherever he is. That's what most NBA guys do when they, when they get washed out of the league. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, if you haven't followed us already on Twitter... Five Out Pod, same thing on Instagram as well. You can find Matt on Twitter at Matt underscore, no, Matt Medeiros underscore zero one, right? Or did I get that wrong? Something like that. I never, you think I know my Twitter handle? It's... Yeah, you should. <laughs> I think it's Matt underscore Medeiros zero one. Yeah, I had it right. memorized up until today. I don't know why, but you can find me on Twitter at Nick underscore Fryer. We're on iTunes. We are on Stitcher. We are now on Spotify. I'll be tweeting that out. You can also listen to us on EEI.com. And I believe that means we'll be on the Radio.com app now as well. If you guys prefer to listen to us there, I don't, I mean, I just feel like everybody listens on iTunes. And if you don't have an iPhone, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, come on. If you got an iPhone, just download the app. Or Did you do that neighbor? Would you, you would actually, well, this is a dumb question. You would never do this. But the, the na- number neighbor thing, did you see that on Twitter? Is that the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life? I think it is the dumbest thing you've ever heard in your life. It, uh, it's, dude, what are you... It's like half the people, it's like, oh, we're buddies. And then the other half, it's like, get away from me. I, I, I mean, I, <laughs> I'm going to call I thought, the police, yeah. I Well, the thing that's good for me, at least one of my number neighbors is my brother. So I don't have to worry about that necessarily, but I, I, <laughs> if the person tries to get a hold of me, I'm, not, I'm probably not going to talk to you, so just be forewarned. Anyways, anything else, Matt, before we get going? No, it's... I think we we covered everything we wanted to get to. Today was a little lighter than the last one, that's for sure. We somehow managed to get it in under an hour. We will talk to you guys again next week. What it do, baby? I'm just trying to be all right with it. Yeah, I'm just trying to be all right with it. Yeah, I'm just trying to see the light in it. I think we should take a ride with it. I'm just trying to spend the night with it. Yeah, I just want to be all right with it. I'm just trying to see the light in it. I think we should take a ride with it. Hey, I got no resolutions. I'm just hoping for some change. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.